Hey folks, you've tuned in to another episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. On this week's show, we're going to be recapping opening weekend of hunting season as we open up for squirrel and small game here in Louisiana over the last week or two. We'll also be talking some early season bow hunting. Bow season opened up along with small game, and we got some really nice reports of some deer kills from some of the guys in our group. We'll share those stories with you as well as talk about Hurricane Delta and some of the impacts she may have caused as we get ready to head into waterfowl season here in Louisiana next month in November. So we hope you'll join us on this week's episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. Let's go. What's going on, boys and girls? Hope everybody's doing great this week. As always, it's a beautiful Thursday afternoon here in southeast Louisiana. Mother Nature has blessed us this week, uh, which is a nice change uh, from what we had last week here in Louisiana. And I have to admit, guys, this beautiful sunshine that we're experiencing this week with the cooler temperatures, it is very welcome. And I know a lot of you guys are happy to see it as well. Um, a lot's been going on, guys. We're, you know, we're getting ready for waterfowl season to open up here in Louisiana next month. Um, November is always our openers here for waterfowl season. A lot of you who are out of state, northern portions of the United States, you guys have already opened up. Got some guys I've been talking to uh, that we made friends with on Instagram and through social media. And the word on the street is that it is looking pretty good. There's a lot of ducks that are showing up in places early that we're not used to having at this time of year, guys. But that's the good news, and we're looking forward to it. But as always, folks, I do want to thank you for tuning in to another episode. Um, we couldn't do it without you. We appreciate the feedback you have been providing to us. Um, we've been getting a lot of great support from all our listeners out there. And if you stumbled upon our podcast for the first time, we just want to say welcome. We love having you. We'd love to have you back again if you enjoy the show. And we also couldn't do it without our great sponsors that you hear us talk about on the show on a weekly basis. We're talking about Anchor.fm, guys. Anchor.fm is the by far the easiest way to make a podcast. Without Anchor.fm, we would not be able to stream our podcast and have it supported in order to monetize it and get it out to all of you to listen to on your favorite streaming platforms. Anchor.fm gets it out to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the places where you listen to your favorite podcasts. I invite you to check them out. If you've ever thought about making a podcast, check out Anchor.fm. You will not be disappointed. Also, another great sponsor you hear us talk about on the show on a weekly basis, guys, is Beaver Creek Game Calls. Whether you're looking for goose, duck, turkey, or deer, Patrick Erkfitz and the guys at Beaver Creek Game Calls has you covered. Check them out online at beavercreekgamecalls.com or visit them on their social media pages and check out all the custom calls that Patrick can make for you. You'll love them. We use them out in the field. They're some of our favorite calls and you will not be disappointed with their products, folks. That's Beaver Creek Game Calls. Well, guys, like I mentioned, you know, duck season is, is right around the corner. We're about four weeks out here in the east zone in Louisiana, which where we're located at, we open up in the east zone. Um, so, you know, the time up until that point for us, you know, we, we start prepping real early for duck season. We start getting the, the boat ready, the oil's changing, the mud motor. We start doing all that. Usually that's a summer project that I take on. 
Um, so I try to have all that stuff done so I'm not doing it right up, at, you know, till the beginning of the season starts or last minute preparations. I like to have all that stuff in order. So all that stuff has been taken care of for the most part. Decoys have been, you know, uh, sorted out, restrung, done all that stuff, added a bunch of new decoys to the spread this year as far as motion goes. I'm going to be doing a big spread this year with motion, a lot of water motion in my spreads. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that works out. Just trying to give it a different look, you know, and that's always what we're striving for. So a lot of that stuff has been done already. And, you know, a week ago, we on our last episode, we talked about it was opening weekend of squirrel season here in Louisiana. And if you've listened to us in the past, our episodes before, squirrel season is something that's very near and dear to our heart. That's kind of the kickoff of our hunting season here for us in Louisiana. From the time I've been a child, that's always been a, a time that we cherish with our, our grandfathers and our fathers and going out with our family and kind of kicking off the inauguration and kicking off hunting season. And it wasn't no different this year, guys. When we brought the last episode to you, I had my longtime best friend and childhood friend, Mr. Troy Fontenot, on the episode uh, that we did last week with me as a guest. And I have to say we had a blast we did it live from the camp, which is a which was a lot of fun. We had my son Jackson. You hear me talk about Jackson on the episodes quite often. We had Jackson on the show with us. He was really excited to do his first podcast and get on with us as a guest. So we really made the best of it. We had a lot of fun doing it. And what we were getting ready for was opening weekend of squirrel season. So you know, opening weekend of squirrel season, it's small game, I should say, opening which you could hunt rabbits, you could hunt squirrels. And it also is, uh, goes hand in hand with the opening of bow season here for all the deer hunters. And those of you who listen to the show, like I mentioned, you know I'm not a huge deer hunter. I'll do it, you know, just to pass some time sometimes or just to get out in the woods with my boys, kind of teach them a little bit. Uh, but I'm mainly a small game hunter. And then once waterfowl season comes around, I'm 100% waterfowl. I'm just ate up with it. I've always been that way, and that's the way it'll continue until I decide to put the guns down and stop stop doing it. But I don't see that happening in uh, in, the, in the near future for sure. That's for certain. But, uh, you know, heading into last weekend, opening weekend of squirrel season, guys, uh, we were looking at the forecast. We had our first nice cool front or cold front move into Louisiana just in time for the opener. So the thing that you want as a squirrel hunter is you typically not going to want a big front to blow in right when it's opening up and you get those first couple of days of hunting. Because when you get those high winds, it's not real easy to spot the squirrels. At that time of year, especially here in Louisiana, leaves are still on the trees. We haven't hit those cold fronts yet to where it starts knocking the leaves off of the trees. And you have full plumage on all your trees. And oak trees, when we did our scouting, they had a lot of good forage and uh, signs for squirrels. So we were really looking forward to the opener. And then when we looked at the forecast, we even got more excited because the temperatures for the first time in probably five to six years that I could remember were actually going to be in the 50s at night. We got down as low as 51 degrees on Saturday and Sunday. Really nice temperatures. The only thing that I could say in our favor, and those of you who hunt, you know it never goes 100% as planned. The only thing that was really hurting us was that when we looked at the extended forecast, the moon phase was showing a, a full moon. 
And, you know, those of you who hunt on a regular basis, the full moon could either hurt you or help you. But when it comes to squirrel hunting, a lot of times it's something that is, that is against you as a hunter. And the reason being is because those squirrels, instead of feeding early in the morning or late in the afternoon like they typically would, they'll feed at night. So you have, they have that light to where they can see it, get some active at night. They'll go in the middle of the night. They'll get in those feed trees. They'll eat till they can't eat no more. And come time for daylight, they shutting it down. They headed back to the nest. And they, uh, they're going to go and they're going to rest. They're going to nurse. They're going to sleep and rest up until about midday. And then at midday, they'll get out and they'll feed some more. Well, you know, the most hunters, they're going to be hunting in the morning. for you know, take advantage of those cooler temperatures and that nice weather. And also, you got that dew on the ground, so it's a lot quieter. If you're a stalk hunter, like we are, we stalk hunt. We don't sit down a whole lot, so we'll actually stalk and pursue squirrels. Uh, so it makes it a lot nicer in the morning whenever it's wet on the ground, um, especially having kind of a drought like we had across certain portions of the state this year. For the most part, it was dry in a lot of areas. Uh, even when we got some of the previous big storms and hurricane that came through, it, it dropped a lot of rainfall, but it moved out quickly and it dried out quickly because it was so dry before they hit those storms. Um, so typically, your, your hunters are going to hunt in the morning. Your hunters are going to hunt maybe in the late afternoon if they decide to make an afternoon hunt. But once again, with a full moon being in effect, those squirrels are eating at night and they're eating in the middle of the day. So they really don't correlate the hunters and the feeding schedule of those squirrels when you get a big full moon like we got. And that tends to slow the hunting down. And that was really the case that, that we experienced last week as many of the hunters across the state. We have a lot of friends, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, friends from back home where we grew up are big squirrel hunters. We talk to those guys every opening weekend. It's a, it's a big ordeal where we touch base with everybody across the state, wherever they hunting at, kind of see what the reports are. And I have to tell you that a lot of guys struggled last weekend with the uh, squirrel hunting. So it was tough. The full moon made for a really tough uh, weekend. You know, we were hunting down at our camp, which for those of you who don't listen to the show on a regular basis, we have a camp down in the Chafalaya Basin off of uh, Sherburn Wildlife Management Area, which is located directly in between Baton Rouge, Louisiana and Lafayette, Louisiana in the Chafalaya Basin. We hunted Sherburn Wildlife Management Area. We have a camp at what they call Whiskey Bay, which is right on the Atchafalaya River. Um, and, you know, a lot of, I noticed, I can tell you this much, that I did notice when I, we got to the camp on Friday um, that there were probably two to three times more hunters than what we saw over the last couple of years. And you may ask yourself, well, why is that? Well, you know, with the pandemic that we've experienced this year, this whole damn COVID mess we've had going on, a lot more people are either A, working from home, or B, unfortunately, lost their jobs and they're laid off right now, especially here in Louisiana. We have a lot of oil field workers. Um, the oil field was impacted greatly. Um, a lot of our oil field is up in that Lafayette, Morgan City, Lake Charles, all those areas, Homa. Um, those areas, and we're not too far from there where our camp is located in Sherman Wildlife Management areas. So it could be that a lot of the guys uh, that are laid off just have a lot more time on their hands. And it could be also if they weren't laid off, just they might not be working at work. They may be working from home. So therefore, 
they wrap up what they got to do on a daily basis and then they have a lot more free time and you know to get out and go do some some hunting because i have to tell you it was like i said it was noticeable when we get there on a friday you know opening weekend usually is when we'll see the most small game hunters especially your squirrel hunters in the reserve and then after that it tends to fall off um but there was there was like i said i'd have to estimate two to three more times uh of amount of hunters in the woods all the camps down where we're located at were just about full the capacity you could tell they had a lot of people coming in and hanging out and just having a good time cooking drinking and doing what we do here down in louisiana um, it sets up for a really good weekend for people to get together and have a good time, get the kids out. It really is a great time for us to get our kids out and get them involved in, uh, you know, in the outdoors. Even if you're trying to introduce them to the outdoors, the opening weekend of squirrel season is always a great time to do that. So we, like I mentioned, we were down at Sherman at the camp this weekend. We hunted there and you had to, you know, we had done some scouting. I mentioned earlier going into the season. And we were pretty pretty excited about it when we shot our or um, did our recorded our podcast that we did with Troy. We did that on the Friday night, which was the eve of uh, opening morning, and we uh, we were expecting big things, but we kind of knew in the back of our minds when we got off the air. Me and Troy kind of uh, talked about it. We said, you know, even though we saw a lot of squirrels while we were scouting, even though we saw a lot of feed and there's a lot of good feed trees, um, it could it could be tough with that full moon. But you always you always kind of pumped up that opening weekend. You know, well as a hunter, what I'm talking about there. You kind of have it, you know, that oh, it, it may not pan out, but you don't want to think that way. You don't want to think negatively, and you, you you fired up to go. Same case as us. That's what we were. So fast forward to opening morning, we get out there, and me and Jackson, I take my oldest son out with me. Uh, we kind of hunted together, and I upgraded Jackson to a 20 gauge shotgun this year. So he was, uh, he's pretty pumped. He's been practicing. We really doing it for, for waterfowl season. I really wanted him shooting a uh, 20 gauge for waterfowl season this year. Because guys, if you're not, if you have a, a young kid and you, you get them introduced into waterfowl season and you got a 410 that you got them shooting, it is so damn hard to find steel shot 410 shot shell nowadays. Uh, and those of you who are shooting 410s with your young, your young kids, you may know what I'm talking about. Try going to the retail stores and finding Steel Shot 410. It's damn near impossible, I have to tell you. Um, every year, I find it maybe once or twice at, at Bass Pro or Cabela's, and I try to snatch up some of it while I can. But, hell, you're looking at a shot of 410 shells uh, in a Steel Shot. You, you know, you're looking at $20 for 410 shells. They're as much as what they cost for 12-gauge. Uh, so, really, I've been trying to get Jackson out of you know, waterfowl hunting with the 410, upgrade him to a 20 gauge because it's just so much more readily available, the ammo and the shot shells for 20 gauge. So we upgraded him. I bought him a uh, uh, H&R Partner Pump, which is a, a very inexpensive shotgun, but it's it's a clone of the uh, Remington Model 870, and it's very reliable. It's, you know, I would tell you that the downside to that particular gun, me buying that gun for him, has been the weight of it. If you have a if you have a, a young son who's maybe not a big kid, you know, not as strong as you know some of the other kids, the the H and R partner pump in a twenty gauge youth is really heavy compared to some of the other youth model shotguns out there. But the price point is excellent on it. it you're you're looking at about one hundred ninety nine 
It's 189 bucks for that, that gun. It's super smooth. It's built off the same system as the 870. As a matter of fact, H&R is actually owned by Remington Arms, um, which just recently I read is going through a huge bankrupt bankruptcy right now. I know that they're trying to uh, sell off parts of the company and that uh, they're not doing too well financially and they're looking for people to buy them. So, you know, that's a shame because a company who's been around all those years is now, you know, looking like the, out, the outlook is not too good for them, you know. So I'm hoping that, you know, it's not a brand name that you see disappear and fade away like many of the other brands over the years. I'm hoping somebody who's reputable comes in and, you know, purchases Remington, especially the ammunition and firearm side of the company, because it would be an awful shame to see a brand like Remington go away that's been around for, for many decades. But uh, but anyway, guys, I, to get off subject, I know I got off subject a little bit, but I the point of it is that I upgraded Jackson over to a 20 gauge, so I've been having him shoot on on the new gun. Uh, we went out, shot some skeet, and uh, and I, he said, "Dad, I want to go ahead. I want to use it for opening weekend of squirrel season too." So he he came out with me, and that's what he shot this weekend. And uh, you know where we are in the Chafalaya Basin, our squirrel mix, as far as species goes, we're about 50/50 where we are. Uh, meaning that we get about 50% of the big red fox squirrels or red squirrels, some of you may call them. Excuse me, I'm drinking. Um, I'm drinking something, guys, so if I pause, that's what it is. But, yeah, we get about 50% of, uh, of red squirrels, and then we get about 50% of what you would call your traditional cat squirrels or gray squirrels. We call them cat squirrels here in Louisiana. Um, so... You never know exactly what you're going you're gonna to get. Um, certain areas will hold only cat squirrels for the most part. And then you'll hit other areas that they hold predominantly fox squirrels. Um, and then occasionally you will see an all-black squirrel. Um, we do have black squirrels down in the Chafalaya Basin where we hunt. And uh, that's always a trophy. As a matter of fact, Troy um, killed a black squirrel on our Sunday hunt. So he ended up bagging a, a, a true black squirrel on Sunday, which was a nice addition to our bag. But uh, Saturday morning, opening morning, guys, it was tough. I mean, we were sitting there. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of movement of feeding early on as uh, as the day, you know, the, the day broke and the sun came up. <clears throat> wasn't a whole lot of, you know, moving around, a lot of feeding up in the tops of the trees. And uh, I think it was about, uh, it, it broke daylight around 7 o'clock. 705 in the woods to where you could see and uh fast forward to about 8:30, and me and jackson hadn't fired a shot yet so uh troy sent me a text from his spot which he was on a couple of miles down from us and he said hey are you seeing a lot of activity i said no i said we uh we haven't seen a whole lot of activity uh, not a whole lot of movement as a matter of fact we haven't even shot or fired a shot yet well that day we ended up um, I think as a group, it was three of us, um, and Jackson's included in that. Um, we ended up with, I believe it was only six or seven that we ended up with the first day. Um, so we didn't turn out a real good, a real good day. No, I'm sorry. I, I, I am, I stand corrected on that. We turned out nine the first day. So opening morning, we had nine. Now, folks, let me put this in perspective because Troy Fontenot, who was on the show with us, and has been a good friend of mine since I was a child. He is one of the best squirrel hunters that I know in Louisiana or maybe all around that I know of. Um, there's not often times that Troy comes back to camp and he doesn't have a, a limit of squirrels, which 
a limit of squirrels for us here in Louisiana is a total of eight squirrels. And he he is guaranteed a limit just about every time he goes, especially opening weekend. You know, the squirrels haven't been hunted for the entire year since the previous season. They're usually a lot easier to get to, a lot a lot more uh, easier to creep upon and shoot. And, uh, you know, I had no doubt in my mind that he was going to come out with a limit. It's just what could I get Jackson to shoot? Because I was trying to back off a little bit and let him shoot a couple of squirrels before I shot a couple. So I had him hunt with me for the most part that morning. And me, him, and Troy together ended up bagging nine squirrels on the opening morning. Which, when we got out, we got back to the camp. They had some other hunters at camps right around us in our campground. And uh, it seems like we had did pretty good as compared to some of the other guys. They were coming out with three and two. And uh, you had, I think the most we talked to had five. So there wasn't a whole lot of great numbers coming out that opening morning. Um, and we had had plans to meet up with some friends of ours who had a camp over uh, down the road um, and do some cooking that night. And tradition has it that, you know, we always cook squirrels for that Saturday night of opening weekend of squirrel season. So you want to be able to kill enough squirrels in order to feed the group of guys that you have attending the supper that night. So we gave our buddy a call. We called them. We said, hey, how many did y'all did y'all get? And I think they had got six between uh, their group was a little bit bigger group. I think they had six guys and they had six squirrels. So they were averaging about one squirrel per hunter, uh, you know, which wasn't real good for opening weekend. That's that's to say the least. But uh, we said, OK, well, six and then we got nine. So when you when you cook in squirrels, we cook them in, a, you know, traditionally in a gravy, what we call a gravy which is basically we smother them down with onions and vegetables. We, we add a little bit of uh, pork sausage to it, and we, we smother them down in a, in a cast iron black pot, make a gravy out of them, and we typically serve that over rice, which is phenomenal. It's the way our, our, our fathers and grandfathers have done it for generations, and we continue those traditions now at the hunt camp for opening weekend. So we said, okay, well, with those, with those numbers put together, we definitely have enough to feed our group of guys tonight. So we, uh, we ended up going over. We spent some time with them uh, that night, and we had a really, really good time. They have a beautiful place off of Bayou Catabla, um, which is a nice area. Um, it's a, it's a, got a lot of history in that area. The Bayou Catabla area where their camp is located at used to serve as a trading port uh, back in the day for a lot of the steamboats that would come down the Chafalaya River. A lot of those big steamboats would come down. They would hit the mouth of Bayou Catabla and they would, they would pull into Bayou Catabla, come into this, this little bayou, and it was, it was known as a trading port. They would trade furs and all kind of, you know, uh, different, you know, sugar, flour, all that type of stuff that the locals needed. They would trade with these steamboats and these ships. And then these ships would go back out and they'd go back into the Chafalaya River and continue down the river and go to wherever their destinations they were trying to make it to. So this little area where his, our buddy's camp is has really got a lot of a lot of history to it, which is it's a beautiful area. Um, it offers some phenomenal fishing nowadays uh, because nowadays it is cut off from the main Atchafalaya River itself. Over the years they've closed it off and it, it, it kind of made a uh, um, you know its own lake, I guess you could say now. So it's a really beautiful area. But that night we uh we we cooked. They had an LSU football game that night, which good God, guys, how about our Tigers? Those of us from Louisiana, you, you're not too proud to be an LSU fan right now. We've been struggling, you know, coming off of the year that we had last year. We uh 
we, we kind of, yeah, a lot of us are starting to get a little quiet this year, which we knew. We knew it would be a rebuilding year, but uh, it's been a rough one so far. But, uh, but yeah, we watched the LSU game, uh, the Vanderbilt game that weekend at the camp, and we cooked a real good dinner that night, built a fire. Like I said, the temperatures were excellent, very good. Um, and uh, it was nice to actually build a fire and not have to worry about sweating this year. So that, that was a nice uh, change of pace compared to the seasons we had before. So we, uh, we drank a lot of adult beverages also to go along that night, and we had a good time, like I mentioned. But we did, we did try to get back to our camp at a decent hour. I think we got back about 10.30 that night. And uh, we took our showers and packed it up because we had, we had something to prove on Sunday. And uh, after a slow start on Saturday, um, we take it personal, and we did take it personal, that uh, we, wanted to, we wanted to put together a better hunt on Sunday. So Sunday morning came around. Like I said, mentioned uh, 51 degrees on Sunday morning. Beautiful, calm, not a lot of wind. Um, I was hoping that maybe we could catch a few more squirrels feeding early in the morning. And uh, there was a spot that I had saw a couple of fox squirrels in the morning the day before that we had, uh, we had missed an opportunity on, me and Jackson. So I told Jackson, I said, there's a big log that fell down on the ground. I said, we're going uh, to go, we're going to sit down on that log right when we walk into this section of woods. They have a couple of nice feed trees. I said, and we're going to get you a squirrel right here. I said, first thing this morning, if we catch one of them crossing through to go to a feed tree. So we, we got there before daylight. We got in the woods about 6.40. As I mentioned earlier, daylight was right around 7.05. Got in there with our headlights about 6.40. Um, sat down on that log, and I told Jackson, I said, go ahead and load your gun. I said, put, it, put some shells in it, put it on safety. I said, get ready. I said, as soon as we can see, hopefully we'll catch one cutting across. And guys, that ended up turning into look like a superhero to him because that's exactly what happened. Um, right around daybreak, I heard, I heard some branches kind of bounce and move, made a noise. And I, sure enough, I looked over my back shoulder and right where I told him, uh, there might be one that cut across to go to a feed tree. There was a big fox squirrel that was cutting across coming our way. So I told him, I said, go ahead, stand up, get ready. And, uh, and he did. And he, <laughs> well, the funny thing with him is he's learning how to, or, or when I guess to take the shot. And, and for those of us who are teaching our kids, that's probably one of the hardest things for them to get used to without having experience is when to take the shot. So here he is. He's pulling up the, the gun, puts it down, pulls it up, puts it down, pulls it up, puts it down. And I'm like, what are you doing? He had about three opportunities to shoot this big, this big fox squirrel that I see in the tree. You know, he, the squirrel would run and he kind of stopped and he'd run. Didn't know we were there. You know, it was right at daylight. Uh, so I told him, I said, you got to pick up that gun. I said, keep it up and keep your aim on that squirrel. So God willing, that's what happened. He did. He picked up on it. And that squirrel was just meant to be, it actually stopped away in a wide open area. It had branches all around it, but it came out to a little area on a branch that was wide open. And it just sat there for a split second. And boy, he, he popped him. He took a shot and knocked them. Now, these fox squirrels that we kill in the Chafalaya Basin, guys, they some pretty big fox squirrels. So sometimes you shoot these things, and fox squirrels are real resilient, I find, as compared to, you know, your cat squirrels and, you know, your smaller squirrels. First of all, they have a thick hide. They, they, you know, you really have to put a good shot on them in order to get them. Uh, me, personally, I always try to shoot them up toward the front, toward the head, because I don't want to damage the bodies. We eat them especially. 
So Jackson put a really good shot on this fox squirrel. He was up high, shot him. And when that squirrel fell, he tried to grab a small branch while he was falling. Caught on to it for a split second, and Jackson immediately popped him again, shot him, and knocked him down, and he ended up getting him. So I was I was thrilled that he, he started out the morning early on with a squirrel in his bag. Um, so we continued throughout the morning. The squirrels seemed to move a little bit better than they did the, uh, the week before. I'm sorry, the day before. Um, and it was something that, um, you know, we were able to put together a better hunt than we had the day before. Um, you know, as a group of us, we ended up, I believe with 15 on, a on, uh, Sunday morning and, um, you know, which was quite an improvement over the day before on a Saturday, which was the opening morning. So we got back to the camp. We, uh, we talked to everybody and, you know, kind of the same story, man, that full moon really hurt us. It wasn't the best, you know, squirrels just wasn't moving a whole lot. But, uh, but guys, I think that's really the only thing that hurt us that, that opening weekend was the full moon. Because as far as the, the, the forage goes and the feed, the, the, the oak trees this year are producing phenomenally. Uh, you know, they just have lots of acorns, some, some really nice ripe acorns this year. Uh, persimmon trees, that's something that we ran into this year um, quite a bit. A lot of persimmon trees are producing persimmons this year. Um, which is really good for the deer because we did see a lot of deer signs while we were squirrel hunting. And uh, we even seen some spool samples that's from deer and they had persimmon seeds in them. So that's a real good sign that the deer are eating persimmons. So for some of the guys in our, our last stop waterfowl group that you hear us talk about or have on the show with us from time to time, <clears throat> we have a couple of guys that are serious deer hunters, you know? And um, what we do is we... When we run across something like that and they're not with us, I use my own X app. You hear us talk about our own X app all the time, how, how we rely on that app and how much of a blessing it's been for us to be able to communicate, navigate, and, and kind of share information between each other. So we'll mark those persimmon trees. I marked probably five or six areas that had persimmon trees while I was squirrel hunting. And I was able to send them to the guys in our group that, that deer hunt, you know, because once again, we're, we're public land hunters, you know, and every advantage that we got and every bit of scouting that we could put in to help each other out or, you know, help ourselves out, we take advantage of it. And that ONX app, you know, if you guys haven't yet got it, I invite you to go check it out. Uh, ONX is, is phenomenal. It really is. You pay a one-time subscription every year. Um, I think it's $29 I pay for my subscription. And you have it, it lasts the entire year and you can set it up to where it auto renews every year, which is how I have it set up. I just use it and let it auto renew as I go because <clears throat> come hunting season, I'm using it all the time. Whether I'm waterfowl hunting with it and I'm saving trails to duck holes that I have in the timber or I'm squirrel hunting and I'm saving feed trees or deer stands. I know a bunch of the guys in our group that deer hunt, they, they constantly market deer stands and they'll send each other waypoints. So it's really, really nice. Um, it gives you a lot more information that you can input into that app than you could with like Google Maps or you know some of the other other stuff that you can maybe get for free. And that's also a good point to mention is that OnX offers a free trial, a uh, free version of their app. You just can't do as much with it, but it is really good if you're looking for something to be able to use to navigate and get around the woods. It'll work perfectly fine, and you don't have to pay a dime. I go for the paid version just because there's more 
tools that I could use with it, and I, I take advantage of those tools. So, and I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pushing just that because I'm not sponsored or associated with Onyx Maps in any way, shape, or form at this point in time. And uh, it's just a tool that I, I want to share with you guys because it's helped us a lot. And I think it can do a lot of good for you if uh, if you're looking for something similar to that to be able to use in the woods. So, but uh, guys, overall, just recapping, you know, the opening weekend was really, it wasn't the best that we've had, but it definitely wasn't the worst. You know, it's not always about the kill. You'll hear us say that in a lot of episodes. Um, you know, a, a lot of it just has to do with the experiences. I have to be honest with you, you know. So we were very blessed to get the weather that we did, very blessed uh, to have the company that we had, and we, we surely enjoyed doing a show from the camp, a uh, podcast episode, me and Troy, and sharing it with you guys and you know answering some questions and discussing topics that we get a lot of feedback on from you guys because, believe it or not, I get a lot of emails uh, you know that come in. I get a lot of social media messages that come in from a lot of you listeners. Uh, and our friends that are listening to the show, there's a lot of a lot of people asking different questions that are fascinated with our state of Louisiana and kind of the way our culture is, the way that we hunt down here as compared to areas that they hunt maybe up north or out west. Um, a lot of our listeners listening to the show right now aren't necessarily from Louisiana. And you guys are the ones who oftentimes have questions for us and send in messages, you know, send in questions and or messages. And uh, we really enjoy it. We've met a lot of great people by communicating uh, from our out-of-state listeners. So we appreciate all of you listening to the show. Um, and I enjoy finding out kind of, you know, experiences you guys have. I have a lot of questions about how, the, you know, these guys hunt up north and how they hunt out west and all across the United States. And I really want to get some of these guys uh, that I'm meeting and becoming friends with on future podcast episodes. I look, I look forward to doing that and I want to bring that information to us here as hunters in Louisiana, but also hunters from across the United States, kind of, you know, see how the seasons are progressing in other areas of the U.S. I find that extremely interesting. I really do, and I'm sure a lot of you do as well. But uh, but like I said, it was a really good opening weekend for the most part. The experience was great, and uh, we had a lot of fun, guys. But, uh, you know, as we finished up that weekend, everybody went back to work, and when you turn on the news at night, uh, the first thing that popped up on the news was that there was possibly going to be another storm entering the Gulf of Mexico um, and could possibly impact our state here in Louisiana. And guys, if you haven't been following the, uh, you know, the, the news as far as I'm speaking mainly to you who are out of state residents, you know, um, there hasn't been a whole lot of, of attention focused on Louisiana for the, uh, the storms that have impacted our state this year. But uh, when we turned on the news after opening weekend and saw that there was a 90% chance of formation of a, a hurricane in the Gulf of Mexico that the forecast models had pointed directly at Louisiana, you talk about making you sick to your stomach to see that heading into hunting season. Uh, not only from a personal life standpoint of protecting your home and your family, and we've already been you know, impacted on the western part of the state um, with Hurricane Laura that came in and totally destroyed Lake Charles and all those areas on the western portion of our state. Just a, just a few weeks earlier, um, you know, we were definitely not ready for another hurricane. Well, as the, as the week went on, as it got more, you know, closer to the Gulf of Mexico, 
all the models were showing that here in Louisiana, we could, we were pretty much without uh, doubt, we were going to get hit with a hurricane, what they called Hurricane Delta. And, uh, and that ended up playing out just as they uh, expected. It's not too often, you know, those of us in the South who have to deal with hurricanes, you would agree it's not too often you'll see, you know, forecast models early on agree that, hey, this, this storm's going to head here. Um, usually when you see these spaghetti models, what they call them, they kind of all over the place, I, you, you know, and you don't know exactly where it's going to hit until it gets, you know, much closer to, to land. When we looked at Hurricane Delta and the forecast, like I mentioned, they were all in agreement from early on all the way to the time Hurricane Delta hit us here in Louisiana that they were going to, they were going to impact our coastline. And, uh, what's crazy and what's ironic, and I feel so, so bad for the residents of our state who were impacted by Delta is that, you know, I mentioned Laura, Hurricane Laura, who impacted Western Louisiana a couple of weeks earlier. Um, you know, Hurricane Delta seemed to follow that same exact track as Laura did. And when it hit landfall uh, up around, I think it was Creole, Louisiana, which was only about 13 miles um, east of where Hurricane Laura hit. So 13 miles away from where the, you know, the previous hurricane hit, you're talking about a lot of people who got hit again and were impacted directly again by two hurricanes within the same month. And, you know, I'm 41 years old and I can't honestly say folks that I've ever heard of two hurricanes hitting back to back that close together in the same general area. And I may, I may, you know, have forgotten about one, but I cannot in my lifetime remember that. Um, I know we've had multiple hurricanes hit in the state, but not 13 miles apart from each other. So, you know, we're getting ready. Like I mentioned in the, in the opening of the show, we, we, we're only four weeks, five weeks away from hunting season or from duck season opening up here in Louisiana. And I have to say, I was really wondering after Delta hit, you know, um, how, how it was going to impact the western part of the state, uh, especially your marsh areas. You got your, your areas like Gros Savon, you, you know, that are well known for, for waterfowl and fishing destinations. You have a lot of good rice field hunting in that portion of the state. A lot of our duck population goes down to the rice fields, of, you know, and, and, and winterizes there. They use them as a feeding grounds. So that's a portion of our state that, that usually holds a lot of waterfowl. Um, and I was thinking, okay, after, after Delta, um, the thing with Delta, I guess that was a little bit different um, than Hurricane Laura, was a lot of people were shocked at the amount of rain that Delta dropped. Um, you know, the, the surge wasn't so bad, I guess you could say as, as they, they thought it might be, it wasn't quite as bad as hurricane Laura was, but, uh, the rainfall totals were quite a bit higher than I think they were expecting. Um, there's some areas up around the, you know, Evangelion Parish, St. Landry Parish, where I grew up at that as that hurricane came in and hit landfall and moved up through Evangelion, Avoyles, all those parishes. Um, they received quite a bit of rainfall and a lot of the local bayous and rivers in that area have uh, overflowed and crested. And, uh, there's a lot of residents that you aren't hearing about that have homes that have flooded. So, you know, to be kind of inland like that and have that much impact, that's where Delta separated itself from Hurricane Laura as far as the flooding goes. Uh, now, I talked to a couple of buddies of mine. Um, up in the Marksville, which is a Vols Parish, you know, got a lot of rainfall. 
I talked to my good buddy David yesterday. He's over at uh, Spring Bayou, uh, which is a wildlife management area here in the state of Louisiana. And uh, I told David, I said, hey, man, I said, how's it looking over there? Were y'all okay from the storm? He said, Jay, said, we got a lot, a lot of rain. He has a house built up on stilts. He said he had a couple of feet of water that came in uh, from overflow from Spring Bayou. And he said Spring Bayou was really high right now. Um, I said, what do you think it's going to do for waterfowl season? Because that is an area that does accommodate some waterfowl hunting. And he said, man, he said, really? I don't know. He said, I'm hoping this water goes down by the time we open up, which they're located in the east zone, which is where we are. They're in the east zone. And uh, we open up November 22nd in the east zone here in Louisiana. And, uh, you know, they got so much water that he's worried that it may not go down by the time duck season opens, which is greatly going to impact their hunting, you know. And you're going to see that probably in several areas throughout that mid part of the state in your Voiles, Evangeline, um, all those areas. You're going to see some of that probably play into uh, into this upcoming duck season. Um, because we went from a drought in those areas to having so much water now that it makes it a lot tougher hunting whenever waterfowl season comes around. When you got that much water dispersed all over the place, it just it spreads the ducks out quite a bit, and it, and it does... Uh, it does make the hunting a lot harder, I'll say that. But as far as some reports I got on the western side, closer to the to the coastline, like up around Lake Charles and all those areas, guys, I got some reports that came in yesterday from a couple of guys. My, my buddy Roland Cortez, who's a, uh, who's a uh, waterfowl guide, he guides up in Stuttgart, Arkansas. He also does a lot of guiding down here in Louisiana. Um, I saw he posted some video of a, of a lot of ducks moving throughout the rice fields, which was I was shocked to see, I have to admit. Very excited to see that. And I'm talking, you know, he said, I, I, was, I think we had some spoonbills. Uh, so you had your shovelers. You had some pintail showing up. Uh, lots of teal. Big, big numbers of teal have shown up. Blue wings uh, with some green wings mixed in. And a lot, a lot of wood ducks uh, are being reported. That's kind of all across... The state, I've been getting a lot of reports of high numbers of wood ducks. Uh, I can't tell you how many people I talked to that told me during teal season they were uh, they were having trouble. You know, they had wood ducks coming in with the teal, and they had to hold off to shoot teal because the wood ducks were in the spread with the teal. So that that's a good thing uh, to see shovelers, pintail, gadwall, big numbers of teal like that right now in the state. That's that's really a nice change over what we've seen over the last couple of years because we all know all too well that the hunting has diminished over the last couple of seasons and everybody's fed up, everybody's aggravated with that and uh, we're looking for a change. And guys, maybe this year, as crazy as 2020 has been, maybe it'll be crazy enough to be a, a phenomenal duck hunting year for us here all up and down the flyway. You know, this year... Just in case some of you aren't aware of this, Canada is not allowing hunters into uh, Canada this year from outside of Canada. So all the hunters that, that go to uh, you know Canada to do a lot of waterfowl and goose hunting, uh, duck goose hunting, um, they will not be allowed in Canada this year. And, and I don't, I'm not sure if I didn't see a statistic the other day that said 80% uh, of the hunters that are Canada waterfowl licensed buyers or from the United States. So that's that's the mo the vast majority of their hunting is done by American hunters that cross the border and hunt in Canada. So how is that going to impact us as we head into uh, the season this year? 
a lot of you who are listening that are up north or your seasons have opened up already, you guys are reporting that you're seeing good numbers of birds this year. So maybe that plays into it. Maybe it doesn't. Who knows? But I think that's going to have some effect, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, uh, you know, on what birds migrate down this year. And, of course, as always, people can say whatever they want. Mother Nature is still the number one thing, in my opinion, as far as cold weather. If we don't get the cold weather, we just don't see the ducks down here in Louisiana. That's a plain formula. It's a simple formula for me. That's what I believe. Um, you know, something that I do want to share with you guys that, that I heard on another podcast recently. I was listening to. I'm a geek when it comes to listening to other podcasts and especially waterfowl biologists and data and studies and all that type of stuff. But, you know, you hear a lot of us as Louisiana waterfowl hunters, when you get on these forums and stuff like that to read, you'll see a lot of guys say, oh, they're shortstopping the birds. They're not coming down here. Uh, they plant corn. They're harvesting ducks, you know, because they won't leave the corn. They, they have all these sanctuaries. And, you know, there, there's a million different reasons and opinions on why they don't make it down to us no more. Well, something that I find very interesting that I'm going to share with you guys, if you don't already know this, is I'm going to ask you a question. What is the number one waterfowl species that we typically harvest in Louisiana as far as puddle ducks go throughout the season. A lot of you will probably say right off back the mallard, you know? Um, of course, we take a fair share of wood ducks. We know that already. Um, but when I first heard that question asked to me, I automatically thought mallard or teal. You know, that would be my second option that I, or guess that I would make. Well, guys, the answer is actually neither of those. The number one duck that we have migrated that's harvested here in Louisiana nowadays is actually the gadwall. So gray ducks. Gray ducks is the number one harvested duck that we take here in the wintertime and harvest in Louisiana. Well, little did I know, and a lot of you may not know this either, and when I read this and found this out, it kind of hit me, it struck me. Gadwall don't eat corn at all. Did you know that? Because I did not know that. And I've been waterfowl hunting my whole life and never really realized that. So gadwall do not eat corn. And the point of that, of my story here, is that even the gadwall have stopped coming in numbers down to Louisiana. So if a gadwall does not eat corn, then the whole theory of corn, planting corn and short-stopping the birds really doesn't play into that when it comes to hunting gadwall. Wouldn't you agree on that? There's really no argument there because gadwall are proven that they do not eat corn. So if gadwall don't eat corn, we don't see the numbers of gadwall coming down anymore that we used to, but it is the most prevalent bird that we still kill, just not as many as what they used to have come down then what, the years where they don't come down, what's shortstopping them at that point if they don't eat corn? We can't necessarily blame the corn at that point, can we? So anyway, I just thought that was a, a real interesting take on it, guys. Um, I wasn't aware of that. And now that kind of opens my eyes as a hunter because, you know, that argument kind of goes out the door, uh, at least with that, that particular species, you know? Um, so the next time somebody 
tries to argue that, you know, and you let them know that, hey, Gadwall are the, the, one of the, the highest taken, you know, species of birds here in Louisiana, and they don't eat corn, and just, just kind of see their face. I'd like to see several of your faces when I'm telling you that. And you probably say, nah, Jacob, you're wrong. You know, there's no way Gadwall eat corn, blah, blah, blah. Look it up, guys. It's The studies are out there. There's a lot of research that has been done over the years, way before I mentioned it to you today. I promise you that. Look it up, and you will find for yourself that is a fact. So who knows, but you know what, what, you know, we could talk for days and have episode after episode on why the ducks don't come down like they used to. And I'm not going to get into all that on this show, but, uh, you know, I think overall mother nature is going to really have to play into it this year. Um, if we get some cold weather, we're going to get some ducks guys. I really do believe it. Um, because it's looking promising early on, but I don't want to jump the gun on them because so many times, you know, we get excited. The season's coming up. We get excited as hunters. We're ready to get going. We have high expectations, and then you get let down as the season opens up. You have a good opening weekend, and then it just goes downhill from there. So this year, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna do my. I'm gonna put my time in. I'm gonna scout just like many of you are doing, and then we're gonna get into it, and we're gonna see where the numbers fall at the end of the season. That's all we can do every year. We're gonna go out there and enjoy our hunts. We're going to make some memories. We're going to kill the birds that we have an opportunity to go out and kill. And we're going to, and we're going to have, a, have a really you know memorable waterfowl season and hopefully make it through and look forward to another season after that. So looking forward to it. Guys, also for those of you who are interested in the deer hunting, bow season opened up and I mentioned in the beginning of the show, I was going to touch a little bit on that. Uh, those of you who know me know I'm not a big deer hunter, but... I still like I'm still like to you know follow it. I got guys that I'm friends with that are big deer hunters, and uh, I just enjoy the outdoors. So I kind of enjoy everything having to do with the outdoors, and that involves deer hunting for a lot of guys. Um, a couple of guys in our group, Rob, Mr. Robert Rogers, who uh, I've had on the show, he's helped me co-host the show. He's been a guest on the show. Um, you guys are familiar with Robert if you've been following us and listening to us. Um, he took a really nice deer. Um, opening weekend of bow season in North Louisiana. Uh, we have some pictures of it on our Facebook page. Go take a look at it. Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. We have it on Instagram and on Facebook right now. Um, he took a velveted buck that came out of uh, of North Louisiana. And uh, I think it was an eight-point that Robert took with his bow. And I'm talking about a beautiful buck. So he started out the season really, really well on it. Uh, you know, he got some meat up in the freezer and he got him a nice mount. Uh, if he chooses to mount it, it's going to be a beautiful mount. I'm sure it'll make a beautiful one. Um, also Jared Hughes, Jared, who's in our, in our camp. Uh, we share a camp together down here in Chaffalot Basin. Jared has a uh, property up North Louisiana as well. He, uh, this past week, he, uh, sent in a picture right at dark. He, uh, he had tracked and shot a, uh, a buck up in Union Parish which is North Louisiana. And uh, he got his first bow kill of the season as well. So congrats and hats off to those two guys in our group, the good friends of ours. <coughs> We're really excited for them, and, and it looks good. Deer season's kicking off to a real good start, and uh, rifle season hadn't even hit yet. you know. So it's always nice when you, you get those, those early bucks early in the season, put some meat in the freezer, and, uh, and kind of jumpstart the season. So... Um, we have pictures of uh, Jared's deer also up on our Facebook page and Instagram page right now. 
Uh, so look, I invite you guys, go check them out. Uh, we've been posting some short videos up on YouTube and also our social, other social media pages, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Uh, we've done some stuff on there. So we invite you to go check it out and, uh, and kind of follow along with our experiences. We love sharing everything we do with you guys. And we appreciate it when you guys send in your pictures. Um, now, since we're cranking up the season, hey, send them, tag us on some pictures. Uh, we'd love to, to share them on our page and let other hunters and, you know, people see them. We don't need the specifics. We don't need your, your, your number one hunting hole spot GPS coordinates. We're not that hard on everybody. We're not asking for that. We just want to see some some pictures and hear some stories of how you how you killed it and, uh, and some of your good times that you're having out there in the outdoors, guys. But uh, as always, uh, social media makes a, a huge difference in the way we meet people nowadays and, you know, the way we share experiences. And it's, it's a phenomenal thing, in my opinion, if it's used right. And uh, we really enjoy it, which is how we're able to, uh, you know, share our, our stories and information and hunting experiences with you guys. So we're going to probably, like I said, up until we uh, get ready to open up on the 22nd of November here, uh, we're going to be doing more small game hunting. We're going to be doing some squirrel hunting. Um, I don't know. I know we lost power at our camp this past week. But from what I was told, we got it back on uh, Wednesday or Tuesday, Tuesday of this week. So hopefully we have an air conditioner and all that's still going. Looking at the extended forecast, we had a front that came through uh, yesterday, a little dry front. And we have another uh, front scheduled to come through tonight. It's going to drop the temperatures down. So looking at the extended forecast, if you... Uh, you looking to do some bow hunting and some squirrel hunting or or just get out maybe brush your blinds up do that type of stuff and in, in preparation for duck season uh man it's gonna be some phenomenal weather here in louisiana over the next couple of uh, days if not a week or so so we're gonna continue bringing our experiences to you guys uh we appreciate you as always tuning in to this week's episode uh, look forward to having some guests on the show coming up on the future episodes to share with you guys and tell some stories and bring some uh, some cool experiences to you guys. But as always, folks, we appreciate you. We do. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate you interacting with us on our social media pages. And more importantly, just treat everybody with respect as we go through the hunt season, guys. No fights. Don't act. Don't act like a fool. Just enjoy it and you know get a get a kid involved in the outdoors with you. If you if you don't have a kid of your own, get your niece, your your, your you know your nephew, your cousin, little cousin out with you. Cause trust me, I see it with my own kids. If we can get them out from in front of the video games and get them outdoors, we have a hunting partner for life and a kid who's involved in, in you know getting a passion to carry on the traditions that we experience and enjoy for many generations to come. I'm a firm believer in that, and I know I preach that on a on a, on a regular basis, but I do believe that guys get them involved, get the children involved in outdoors. And it's, you're going to see a difference in their lives. And you'll also see a difference in the impact they make on your lives. So guys, appreciate you as always. Don't forget to check out our great sponsors, anchor.fm, Beaver Creek Game Calls and beavercreekgamecalls.com. Tell Patrick you heard about them here on Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. And until next time, this is Jacob signing off. We'll see you guys on the next go-around. Have a good week.